0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity. It's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbagger.
2: The Rockpile Report. Oh, uh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors at banquet beers out of spite. The pettiest, hardest drinking bills podcast.
1: I'll go to Helen back just to prove a point. To another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket old to Drew Gear. Something definitely just got stuck in my throat as I was yelling that. That's our producer Chris Krueger. And guys, I don't know if you know this, but if Chris could be so kind as to flip the camera back to his own shot for a second.
2: There you go. You guys, notice anything different? I repositioned my desk, is it's what I did. It was a
1: no, hang on. I, I want Paint to in you, the ass to get to. Well, I want to, to stop get you right to. there, because when people hear, oh, I moved a desk, they think to themselves, okay, a guy lifted a piece of furniture, rotated it 90 degrees, set it back down, and put his monitors back on it. Not in this dojo. All right? <laughs> That's not how things work. Chris, like, I will say this. For all the things that I deride Chris about, there are a handful of things that he excels at. One of them is his ability to put together one of like just his engineering knowledge and kind of his makeshift engineering that he used to put the, put the studio together. Everybody who's people who work on the radio come in here and tell us it's more ergonomic than what they deal with at their actual job. So he's got a lot of time and energy and heart and resources plugged into this. Lot of thoughtfulness gets put into how things are wired how certain cords are ran so chris how long would you say it took you just to rotate your desk 90 degrees
2: uh it took me over the course of i think i did three days i started sunday night because i stay up late on sunday night and i when i say i disconnected everything i mean i shut my computer off unplugged all of the cables and Clipped all of the zip ties that all the wires that are run in this room, and then Monday, I I started the process. All I literally just turned my desk ninety degrees. If you're watching on YouTube, you used to see me like this. I was facing this way. You looked like an and then ugly drew was, Alfred Hitchcock. Drew was to my left. This is like probably a little more appealing for i don't know about that well for those on youtube because you know over here i have all of my i had bandits season tickets so that's all of them and then i have this doesn't get filled up enough this frame of tickets because nobody does tickets anymore ticket everything's so what you li- might have like,
1: to do is swap those. I know. I
2: hate. I I hate as a bill season ticket holder that I don't get a physical ticket because I mean, they would all be in here. You do and know then, that you
1: can go buy them for five dollars. on at guest services.
2: I will one hundred percent do that now that I know that. And then like this frame up here is now those on YouTube you can't see it, but most of the tickets in here are like oddly shaped tickets or season tickets. And like this ticket right here, Wednesday, December 7th, 2016, Cincinnati Cyclones versus a Fort Wayne Comets. That's when I went to Cincinnati. And you brought
1: back the Hootie Delight. And I
2: found out what Hootie Delight is (laughs) because it was dollar beer at the Cyclones game and it was either Hootie Delight or High Life. Now I have a class, so I'm not getting High Life. I'm going to try whatever this Hootie Delight is. And it's delicious. And then I went to, I think it's, I think Cincinnati's beer store is called The Party Store. (laughs) And that's where I went and picked up a 30 pack for like 20 bucks and brought it back.
1: It's, uh, it's memories, sir. And I like that you have encapsulated your memories that way. I love the fact that you did this. How many zip ties, just just because people are like, oh, I cuddle the zip ties.
2: At least a hundred.
1: And then you had to put all hundred of them back.
2: Yeah. And then I did all new ones.
1: This is lunacy. I'm just happy that his lunacy gets poured into something useful for me. Like, selfish, selfishly, I'm really happy that his mania somehow produces a thing that's really helpful to me. So for those of you who think that, like, oh, no, Chris just gets a bad rap. No, 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 no. He's like Rain Man about a lot of things. But the, the amount of the attention to detail and the amount of time he's put into all of this is incredible. <clears throat> I can trash him about a million things. Never this studio. And I love the fact that I can actually look at you now. I told him I go, right now we are finally for the first time since we sat together at his kitchen table five years ago. Yeah. When I'm Four years ago was the last time he and I sat looking at each other. And now there's at least a little more space in between us.
2: But I like usually why it's uncomfortable. Usually (laughs) I don't have to like look like before I didn't (laughs) have to look at you. I had a monitor right here
1: (laughs) with all of the
2: cameras on and I could just look at the cameras. I didn't physically have to. Yeah, I see you on this television. That's how I'm connecting to you. That's how me as a human, I connect is by I see, I have two shots of you on this TV right here. I, <laughs> and that's how I connect with you. Now, <laughs> now it's a little more awkward. I have to look up and look at you.
1: Know this I'm going to be recording every single one of these guys just staring directly into Chris's eyes. <laughs> you. Hey, congratulations on the move and cheers! Now you've handed me. Obviously, you've gone back to my favorite glass, a coupe. Yeah. Um, this drink you've poured me. Now I'm getting better at this. I. See, I don't think you are. I see some things in, floating on the top, and I see it leaving something on the rim. So I'm gonna go ahead and guess that's citrus. Like there's a some kind of citrus poured into this. Now the color is like a. It's like a watermelon pink color. It smells like a clear liquor, like it's not like a. It doesn't have like a bourbony smell. It's got more of like a that acetony rum gin something kind of a scent to it.
2: No one likes to hear what you just did. <laughs>
1: It's interesting. It's very. It's liquor forward. It's it's a drink that whatever you just made in this glass is liquor forward. There's a hint of the. I can taste the citrus. There doesn't seem to be a lot of fruit, so the the pink in there interests me. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell me what that is? Because it's not bad. Three
2: ingredient cocktail. Okay. It is three quarters an ounce of grenadine. That's I am. it's the pink. Obviously using a. Uh, Liber and Company's grenadine. Mm -hmm. Either use that grenadine or you just make your own grenadine. Three quarters. Nobody's
1: making your own grenadine.
2: It's fairly easy. And then uh, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice, two ounces of apple brandy. And I use bottled and bond apple Apple brandy. brandy.
1: Interesting. Because, you see, now that's where I get the citrus smell, but I don't get the fruit taste. This is incredibly drinkable. So again, it's just... What was it? Just lime juice, apple brandy, and... Grenadine. Grenadine? This is really good,
2: dude. Better than last week.
1: Mm. Much better than last week.
2: Obviously, we found out you're not a fan of Campari. (laughs) No, Campari. Listen, anything that has like a spice to it... A bitterness?
1: Perfect. I was sitting at a bar, having an argument with a friend of mine about like uh, not liking... Christmas ales I was like no it's disgusting blah 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 and as we're sitting there the bartender's kind of walking back and forth and then at some point later in the evening we're arguing about garbage plates because I was like no, no 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 I just don't like like there's something about it not, not that I don't like garbage plates there's something about the meat sauce that just does not agree with me and then we got into different foods we hate and I brought up the fact that I hated Cincinnati and it was like the perfect moment because here I am bashing Skyline Chili garbage plates and Christmas ale and this bartender just stops and goes well this all makes sense he goes i don't want to butt in but you don't like the christmas ale because there's nutmeg and cinnamon in it you don't like garbage plates because there's clove and some of those same old you know all spicy kind of things going on there and you don't like that because it shares the same family as these as the garbage plate sauce because they actually come from the same recipe and it was this whole like mind-blowing thing and then i started thinking back i just don't like nutmeg, allspice, cinnamon. I don't like any of the wintry kind of things. So the second you even start to flirt with a flavor that's like that...
2: And I have all richard, of those I'll forms. Flip out. I have all of those <clears> forms <throat> in a syrup for old-fashioned. Allspice, clove, pistachio, nutmeg. I don't mind pistachio. All of it. I don't mind pistachio. But I gotta tell you, this is good, and
1: I can tell you, I can already feel that uh, bottled and bondness. There's a nice warm- That's only
2: only way to go with when you get apple brandy is to go 100 proof. There's a there's a nice
1: warm sensation spreading across my chest. I love this. I'm ready for a podcast. But guys, I want to do this with a disclaimer. You know, we we like to have a good time here. We like to josh around as one will say. But substance abuse is no laughing matter. You know, it's something that affects, you know, wide swaths of our communities. It um I'm sure we all have a family member or a friend who's been affected by it. And realistically, I mean, today I just want to implore people to uh, reach out. You know, if you think that someone might be struggling, don't hesitate to reach out and ask the question, are you okay? Now, I don't have his phone number, but I'd like to ask the question, are you okay, Mike Tannenbaum?
3: I'm trading Deshaun Watson and a second round pick to the New York Giants for Daniel Jones. And hear me out. What if you're the Cleveland Browns, you have Dorian Thompson Robinson, you have Joe Flacco, and now a 27 year old Daniel Jones who has one year left of guaranteed money for $36 million and an enormous amount of flexibility moving forward. And if you're the Giants, you're getting Deshaun Watson, who's 29. Are who's making $46 million a year for the next three years and a second-round pick. And to me, you need a frontline difference-making quarterback. Because, Bart, right now, if you're the Giants, how in the world do you win the NFC when you have to beat San Francisco, Green Bay, Dallas, Philly, and Detroit? With Daniel I, Jones, right. Yeah, with Daniel Jones. So to me, Deshaun Watson hasn't played well the last couple of years, but he has a high upside, and he's only 29 <laughs> years old. That's exactly right, Hannah. So when... A number 412 pops up in Chicago. That's the Pittsburgh area code number. Ryan Poles, answer the phone. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin. Get a deal done with the Steelers. That is an ideal fit for Justin Fields, and here's why. Arthur Smith is the new offensive coordinator of the Steelers. He had massive success in Tennessee, with Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill and Justin Fields, in my opinion, have very similar skill sets. They're athletic. <laughs> you can step it right there. Big, you can strong. drop it right there. Hang on. <laughs> okay,
1: now I, I have to stop laughing because this is a very serious matter. Obviously, these are the words like we've all heard. Lunacy. You've heard me get intoxicated and say some wild things on this podcast, but this is clearly a man in crisis. I mean, look at this. Fu- look at this picture. This is a man in crisis. <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? Chris, Justin Fields and Ryan Tannehill have a very similar skill set. You know, athletically, they're very close. You know, one's, one's, one's a dude who looks and is built like Daniel Tosh. And one of them is what would happen if you gave Josh Allen, Cam Newton's curtain throwing, throwing ability. What are we even talking about? There's no way that this man is well, right? No. I wonder if he's... Was it Apple Brandy that got Mike Tannenbaum before he went on air? I think my favorite thing is he's talking to Bart Scott at one point about... This is... How does ESPN put this man on TV, Chris?
2: Like... I have no idea. This
1: is one of those things where... Like, I get it that, like, rage bait works on social media. Can I get, we use this as the? Oh image? Oh, my God, no. Can I, oh, my God, no.
2: Can I put that on?
1: No. Oh, my
2: God. Do you want me to put that on YouTube?
1: No. No. No, Kanye. Knock it off.
2: All right. I won't. They...
1: they so, this is what happens. Like... Chris, you know clickbait, rage bait, all of these things are working on social media.
2: That and, picture I just showed you would be clickbait. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it would be cons- it would be. It would
1: be considered clickbait. You 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 flirt with this thing of being a network like ESPN where you say to yourself, We need eyeballs, especially during the off season. Like, have you ever noticed like who was it uh not Nick Nolte, but the guy who looks like him, Uh, Gary Busey. Gary Busey was a madman, but he walks into a room and he draws every eye to him because you go, what the hell? Not even who the hell, what the hell just came in here? I feel like while everyone's questioning what's going on with Mike Tannenbaum over at ESPN, I feel like that's, that's kind of their shtick now is they go... Oh, man, Tannenbaum's giving us gold. We just throw him out there on TV, and he he shamelessly says the things that only an intoxicated person would say. At one point, when he's talking about how the Jets need to trade Zach Wilson to Denver for Jerry Judy, straight up, and they were like, okay, well, then what about backup quarterback? And he goes, I've got it, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson comes and backs up Aaron Rodgers for one year and starts invoking the name Vinnie Testaverde. And Bart Scott leans over and takes his coffee cup and looks into it like, are you, are you drinking ample brandy? Like, what the hell's <laughs> happened to you, man? Are you boozing on the clock? Like, Mike, this is a cry for help. Look, your friends are worried about you. We're not, because I'm not your friend. but." Like, but I'm sure there's people out there who are hearing the things that you're saying on television, and they're concerned about you. Like when you say that Kansas City should trade Mick, Trent McDuffie to Miami for Jalen Waddle.
2: He said that on t- live he TV? He said
1: that on television. I couldn't find the clip, but it's like Mike Tannenbaum and then Mike Tannenbaum's trade idea. Boom. In the t- Google it. It's right there.
2: That does it- not make any sense. <laughs> For either team, and I'm (laughs) not—I don't know football. It's—it's what would happen if you
1: caught me on a Saturday night at like one o'clock in the morning when I'm still awake in my basement bar, and then came to me and said, "Drew, we'll give you twenty dollars if you just pretend to be the NFL trade, like NFL trade machine." Sure, sure. You want you want some ideas? I've got ideas for you. Now, one of these cockamamie schemes of his. I mean, I'm, the fact that he said the words, like that's a cry for help, isn't it? Ryan Tannehill and Justin Fields have a very—they're very similar. In what way? That's like the movie Twins with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, they've got a lot of similarities. He brought up the fact that the Bills should trade Stephon Diggs to the Bears for cornerback Tyreek Stevens. Star rookie cornerback Tyreek Stevens. The Bills should trade him there for a cornerback. How much does that cost us? Our cap actually goes up about $8 million. <laughs> it actually costs us $8 million to facilitate that trade. <laughs> It'll move us to negative $60 million. And then also, you think about the logic of that. You're adding a cornerback to a room that already has... Uh, Teron Johnson, who is one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the entire NFL right now. Like the bills have work to do there. You know, some people have talked about the fact that maybe an extension and then restructure makes sense just to get us over this hump. You've got Rasul Douglas, who you just traded for, who's got a $9 million cap number. You've got Christian Benford. You've got a uh, struggling first-round pick in Kyrie Elam, who's having a hard time getting on the field. And you want to throw another sophomore player into that mix, along with a Trey White that nobody really knows what how the Bills feel about him. Ryan Lacell loves it when I use the term hat on a hat. But that's absolutely what this would be. <laughs> it's just hat on a hat. You're making a trade to see no benefit unto yourself. <laughs> You're just making it, and you're not even getting a better football team out of it at the end of the day. The whole thing, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. It's there, There's just a lot of things here. That, like, Tannenbaum, I don't know what you're doing. I do know that this idea of trading Stefan Diggs, Chris, we've all pointed to the fact that it's dumb, right? It's not possible. There's no way to get rid of Stefan Diggs.
2: It makes zero financial sense for the Bills. To not have them on the roster,
1: unless and this is kind of a tease for a show we're going to do here in about a week with uh, Ski Paul Wineski of hashtag Sports. You know, usually we do a, our own salary cap primer, but those are so I don't want to call them passe, but I feel like they're everyone's doing them. Yes, everyone's done theirs. Everyone's done all of the gesticulations about how do we get under the cap and how do we get players and how do we how do we get the band back together and try to win a super bowl next year i'm gonna play a little devil's advocate and just ask the question what if we don't what if we don't
2: this is a a, a, a replay of 2019 when when did we try to get under was it 2018 or 19? it was 2018 2018 so you're trying to you're saying replay 2018
1: I'm not saying replay it. I'm saying maybe this team is talented enough and well-coached enough that you could do what the Chiefs did in 2022, which is you could position yourself a little bit better in terms of long-term cap, take a season, try to get lucky and hit a stretch where you're healthy and can make a run, and at the same time, trust the fact that your coaches can do their job and make good with the talent that you have on hand, a part of which includes one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. I'm just saying. It's going to be an interesting kind of walk through... The- it's going to be an interesting walk through the salary cap for sure, but it just feels like they could send these ESPN guys a flyer, right? Like they wouldn't, don't they have a staff? Like we all know Bill Barnwell doesn't do his own work. Doesn't True. he have a staffer who could just come to him and say, Hey Bill, before you talk about this, here's the salary cap impact.
2: Do you want to try to sell We can celebrate something. What's that now? Because I'm a nerd and I follow all of the sports media. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Ryan Clark's contract with ESPN expired without a deal? So he's a free agent. Correct.
1: Call him. Let's see. Hey, do (laughs) you want to come be a part of the Rock Power Report? There's no money in it.
2: I would not hire him at all.
1: We're hard to work with.
2: We're not the prettiest group. Why would... He is an idiot.
1: So are you, but I still like you.
2: No, he's legitimately come out in the media... And said that he puts together his takes specifically for like engagement. Yes, like yeah. you know how like S- Skip Bayless works. Like Ryan T- or uh, Ryan Clark has that same mm-hmm. mindset. Now, unfortunately for him, Jamie, Jamie Horowitz does not uh, work in sports television anymore to make him more money, but. I mean, Ryan Clark is a fucking idiot.
1: Now, here's what I will say. <clears throat> I let Mike Tannenbaum get me, right? I did the thing, the thing you're not supposed to do, where you don't let some idiot get you all wound up about things. But I saw this, and I couldn't help but, like, like it touched me emotionally, seeing some of the stupidity that's just rolling out of this guy's mouth. Do I believe he has a problem? No. No, I don't believe he has a problem other than the fact that like he's painfully bald. I almost feel like he's a guy whose head is so round and bald he needs to go the Aaron Quinn and get some sideburns on that thing, fast. (laughs) Like give your face some definition, man, because you look awful. Like if you looked up paunch in the dictionary, there might be a picture of Mike Tannenbaum next to it. With that said, (laughs) with that said,
2: you know what we can do (laughs) over here? You just brought Aaron Quinn up. Yeah. I could do the same thing as Aaron Quinn. See, look at this. Aaron Quinn stole this from Woody Page. Wait, I can't. What? I can't spell. You
3: can't
1: spell.
2: Yeah. There. See that? Now it's. On, yeah. Perfect. In the shot. Now it's real. Yeah. You see it? Anybody that watches cover 1 uh Aaron Quinn he stole this idea from Woody Page
1: Now I have to google who the hell Woody Page is
2: He's a sports columnist for or was with the Denver Post
1: Okay what did he steal from him
2: This was his this was his move on when he was on around the horn I can't even okay. position he would like sit like this direct the camera and he would have a whiteboard over his shoulder and it would have this it would have something like something something on his whiteboard. Why
1: are you taking shots at Aaron Quinn?
2: I love Aaron Quinn.
1: <laughs> you're, you're so, see, we really are just a collection of jerks over here. But God do we have fun. Yeah. So with that in mind, guys, I let Mike Tannenbaum get me. <clears throat> I wouldn't suggest anybody make a habit out of it. The guy's a fired GM for a reason. Not just fired, but like fired fired. Like, if you look at, like, what is Mike Tannenbaum's career been? <clears throat> Mike Tannenbaum. Pro I'll
2: pull it up. Yeah,
1: you give that a goog and throw it over here on this monitor. Do you want
2: before. his Wikipedia? <laughs> yes.
1: Just bring me the Wikipedia. So, with that in mind, I let this guy get a rise out of me, and this is the time of year where you're going to see so much of that because... There's no in there's no action to talk about. They're all just trying to drive conversation that they get to be the focal point of. Even if you hate them, you're gonna watch them. I gave him so much of my time. I went down a rabbit hole last night and woke up this morning and told Chris we have to do a bit and I hate it. I hate that we have to do it.
2: Please he got me look, look, look at how much time he spent with the jets. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Director. Maybe that's the problem.
2: You no, know, that's the problem. Dude, do you notice where the problem is? Look at his career history on the right side. 97 to 2000, director of player contracts. That's a problem if you don't know what you're talking about. Well,
1: that's my favorite is he gets to walk in and go, guys, let me tell you what I think they should do, and then talks about trading players with no concept of what a contract is or what the how the cap works. Like, they had a cap back in 2000. But also, maybe that's why you weren't that guy anymore. I don't I don't know. What I do know is that we should all like make a pact together to not let these talking heads who are clearly in this Look at that. self-aggrandizement.
2: Look at that. You see that? <laughs> Read what his Wikipedia says.
1: In April 2019, Tannenbaum joined ESPN as an NFL front office insider. <laughs> He's as much a front-office insider as it's like, hey, man, I worked at a bank once. I'll tell you all about how high finance works. (laughs) Points? What are points? Those are on the scoreboard in football, right? Liquidity rates? Bah. (laughs) You don't need those. (laughs) Puts? Calls?
3: Options?
1: (sighs) Nobody needs to understand these things. They're all just made-up words. They don't mean anything. I... Uh, he is as much an NFL front office insider as I am a captain of industry. And we'll leave it at that. Don't make the same mistake I did guys. Over the next month and a half as free agency gets closer and as you know as these as these media people spin and spin and spin trying to keep your eyeballs on them, don't get sucked into it. <laughs> give the people who do the work that you think is worthy of your time, give them your attention. The bloviators and the people who are out here just being, like, I don't even know what you want to call them. What, what do you call that? The uh, the guy, like a carny at a fair, who's just like a carnival barker, who's just yelling absurd things to get your attention. Please ignore them. <clears throat> and please stop tweeting about how angry you are about what this person thought or how stupid they are. We all know. We all have eyes. And we hopefully all have common sense. I feel like Tannenbaum gave us all I'd like to think we all learned something from like Tannenbaum today, which would be the first time anyone said that since I don't even know. The early the, like the early 90s. Sure. I'm, I'm assuming he taught one of his kids to walk. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <sighs> so the idea of trading Stefan Diggs. Like that seems almost particularly stupid when you talk about the fact that we might be losing Gabe Davis. That's been part of the Bills fan base conversation this week after him and his agent released a video, which cover one was I guys I guess helped with the video production and getting all the clips and gathering all that. Hey, you didn't know that, Chris? I
2: saw the <clears throat> I saw the cover one thing being tagged. I didn't know that they that Eric and yeah, Eric his, knows Gabe. He's got. Well, a I, I know that I know that they have a relationship, and he's done. I mean, he
1: doesn't have Shane Gillis's relationship <laughs> with him. But. Yeah,
2: I get that they have like I know they have a relationship, but I didn't know it was so far where like Cover One was involved with in the production of that video. But well, I mean, I, they sourced any, the video and anybody some of the cut-ups. Anybody that is a Bills fan knows that Gabe is as good as gone.
1: Well. It's interesting when you talk about how we got here, though. People go, oh, he's gone. There's a lot to unpack when it comes to his situation. First of all, it was all preempted by that Dawson Knox contract. That's something not a lot of people are talking about, and I, I feel like it needs eyeballs. Because in hindsight, that looks pretty rough, doesn't it, Chris? Yeah. Now, to walk you through why I feel that way, Chris, I sent you a spreadsheet last night because I, this is how this is how much it irked me i made a chart i made a chart to kind of put together how in terms of rankings dawson knox has performed just among all tight ends in the nfl year over year since 2020 now 2020 the year before he was signed to a contract extension you, you, i mean guys if you're watching on youtube you can see the numbers i don't have to read them to you for those of you watching this you know, listening to it 2020, he was 42nd in the NFL in receptions. He was 34th in yards. He had a 9% drop rate. His cap hit, though, was the 91st in the NFL. No one cared. No one cared. There was a million people making more money than him. 2021. I believe 2021 was the extension year, correct? Yeah. 18th in receptions, 15th in yards, fourth in touchdowns and everyone went up see what a great what a great deal reduced his drop rate everything was good because he was making the 57th highest cap hit in the nfl fast forward to 2023 and it looks rough 44th in reception 49th in total receiving yards tied for 47th in touchdowns with just two. His drop percentage went back up over the 10% mark for the first time since 2019. And his cap hit is now the, was the 14th highest in the NFL. And you see the direction that's trending. You know why that's problematic, right? Because when you signed him, you didn't know you were going to draft a Dalton
2: Kincaid. You didn't need to know you were going to run... It 12, 12 personnel?
1: personnel? And then what happened was they found out real quick, oh, well, he's banged up. He's going to miss games. We're going to put Kincaid. Okay, we have to do wide receiver things with Kincaid. We're not going to run the 12 personnel stuff with Kincaid. That was the early thing in the season. It started off with this idea that we could run them both, 12 personnel. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be everything we want it to be. And then Knox gets dinged up. He misses some time here. He's not exactly effective here, there you could almost point to the fact that like Kincaid's usage was a little static at the beginning of the season. Because they were trying to figure out where he fit. They didn't want to overload him. I don't know what the case is. But you see it in the numbers. Some games he'd get six targets, some games he had two. There's no... There was no middle ground where he just leveled off. Which tells me they didn't have a plan. They were just kind of feeling out how Kincaid was going to fit in. Well then Knox goes on to miss some time. And when they did that, and then, and then Dorsey gets fired, and they bring in Brady. And the offense gets away from the 12-personnel stuff, and they become a 11-personnel offense. Except it's Dalton Kincaid stealing snaps from your extended tight end. So now we're here talking about a 2024 season where he's going to have the fifth highest cap hit in the entire NFL at the tight end position, and he's not a starter on his own team. That's a problem. I don't care how you slice it. That is a problem. It's frustrating to think that we're going to lose a boundary-wide receiver because we chose to spend money on a tight end who not only hasn't developed into a legitimate playmaker. But at the same time, the production that we do get from him, all the intan let's call it the intangible stuff. he's Kincaid is not a good run blocker. He's a, he's maybe downfield if I have to make a block on a passing play or a, but he's not a run blocker. He's like Gasecki? <clears throat> kind of except he doesn't suck at catching the ball too. like he's actually good at catching the ball. It's not nearly enough. To justify you being in the top five for cap cost in the NFL. There's no way you can justify having Dawson Knox on this roster at that cost. And yet there's no talk about us trading Dawson Knox, is there? Is he tradable? No one's. okay, but answer my question. When is the last time you heard the idea even floated that we should trade Dawson Knox this offseason?
2: Uh, just out of your mouth.
1: Okay. What's funny is that knowing, let's see, Buffalo Bills, salary cap table. Google it right now.
2: Can I recommend you a team? Spotrack.com. Can I, can and I, I want
1: to manage the roster. I just want to see what happens. All right. Because, because this is my question. Let, well,
2: yeah. let me throw you out my idea. Mm-hmm. Of a team that could use a tight end. They have a tight end, I think, in the same age bracket as Dawson Mm -hmm. Knox. But just because they got a new offensive coordinator, could we get rid of Knox in a trade to Pittsburgh where Arthur Smith, who was known for using... Kyle Pitts, who was supposed to change no. the league. <laughs> no?
1: That's malfeasance. No. See, these are Madden. This isn't Madden. So, what I'm looking at here is I'm just looking at the tight ends around the NFL, and I'm thinking to myself, if I could offload Dawson Knox to another team that has a legitimate run blocking tight end. So, let's just go Baltimore Ravens. And let's see, who can I get my hands on here? Let's see. One of the running backs? <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking, no, no, I'm looking for a tight end who isn't, well, I guess they tra- They drafted them all and then traded them away. Charlie Kohler, yeah, I guess they're a non-starter. But either way, let me just throw a dart. Let's say the Cleveland Browns, they're another good running football team. Who do they have a tight end outside of David Njoku? They have Jordan Aikens. Okay. So I want to process this trade and I want to see what happens to our cap. So I'm now looking at, 2024 dead cap of $11 million So you're increasing the salary Cap to make to Facilitate this trade and getting him off the roster Like this is the most expensive year you could Release him he has an out at the End of this season At the same time Isn't that kind of the Stefan Diggs situation yeah. And how come nobody In the media is talking about Okay we'll trade Stefan Diggs Trade Dawson Knox Trade Dawson Knox and a pick for a bag of nothing and get him off the books now. Oh no, that's stupid. Oh, it's because he has no value. Doesn't that make that look like a glaringly bad signing? If the national media isn't even aware of who Dawson Knox is, and yet he's got the fifth highest. Would it look like a time bad time?
2: would it look like a bad signing if we had uh not drafted Kincaid? 'Cause I think well, if, no, I think if nobody would've I think of Kincaid being drafted in his production that he had this year as a rookie tight end makes you look at Knox and go, Bean, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah,
1: what did you do? You got hammered one night in your office, you were feeling lonely, you were you saw a picture of you saw a picture of Dawson Knox on your wall, and you went
2: And you had a blank call... checkbook.
1: You went <laughs> I should call that girl <laughs> Chris, have you ever done that? Have you ever done the uh, drunken phone call? No. I should text that girl.
2: See how she's doing. No, I've had that happen to me. (laughs) Please tell me how that went. Awful.
1: Who was it? The last one. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. After the whole split?
2: Well, I mean, it depends on which time.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're dropping a bombshell on me. I need to hear this. There's no
2: bombshell. There's, you know, we were on and off, but then there was, there was a time where we are off, and then I got like a drunken text from her, and then it was, all right, well, let's try to fail at this again, which is exactly what happened.
1: I love you. See, I love what this show is. It's honesty. We're not Mike Tannenbauming you here.
2: No, we, it, we it's give Eddie. You, it's Eddie Brady. It's Eddie Brady.
1: We, we give you some. Oh, what do they call it? The uh, what, what they used to call that back in the seventies with the straight the straight talk. There's no jive. There's no jive here
2: in this podcast. Was a semi-pro? semi-pro jive turkey?
1: The funny thing is some of our, <laughs> our listeners are old enough to remember when that was popular. <laughs> oh, man. Right now, Vince and Jake are like, God,
2: come on. You got me.
1: Come on, you got me. <laughs> okay. So back to Gabe Davis. We got sidetracked. Polarizing player, right? Because half the fan base will tell you if you just bring up Gabe Davis, if you walk into any room and go... Hey, so what do you think about Gabe Davis? You will get three people who go, that, eh, that depends. guy's overrated. Uh, that I don't think, uh, depends
2: if you're talking in the context of Gabe Davis versus Isaiah Hodgins, <laughs> Nate Geary. <laughs>
1: you. You'll have the people who tell you he's wildly undervalued, and then you'll have the people who tell you, oh, he's overrated and we can replace what he does. It's not a big deal. Now, every single offseason... Since he became the outside wide receiver back in what? After we let, uh, because he only shared the field with, um, it was 2000 is when we drafted him. He shared the field with John Brown for one year. In 2021 is when they, if if my memory serves, 2021 is when they allowed John Brown to walk in free agency. He only had a two-year deal. They allowed him to leave.
2: You're talking the 2020
1: Bills? Yeah, 2020, they were both on the team. John Brown and Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis had six touchdowns that year, I believe. Then they went on the following season. Here we go. You got the pulled up for me? Yeah. So 2020, they shared the field, and you look at where Gabe Davis is. He was second on the team in touchdowns with seven, his rookie season. They let Gabe, they they let John Brown walk the following year because obviously, when you have a rookie with 600 yards and seven touchdowns, you want to see what that looks like because you might have just caught. Especially on
2: a rookie deal,
1: yes. So they let John Brown walk. They put Gabe Davis outside. Chris, if you just want to scroll up to the top and click next season, it'll show you the stats from the next year. So in the that following season, we all expected Gabe to take that big step, and he didn't. That's okay because he still scored six touchdowns. I believe he went 7-6-7. And it was still a good season, but you saw the drops. You saw the lack of crispness that he ran his routes with. You saw some of the weaknesses in his game. And that's when I started pounding the table saying, okay, we need a better X receiver, and we should let him play more from the slot. And we should do that because... He doesn't run great routes, but he's a physical mismatch there. And if you actually look, go to Pro Football Focus. Look at his spread chart of where he accumulated his yards over the course of these seasons, where he was setting. I think he now has more touchdowns at this age or this many years accrued in the league. More touchdowns than Tyra He leads the NFL. All of it came in the middle of the field, when he was able to get on a linebacker, get on a safety, get on somebody who has a mismatch with, think about that Kansas City game where he set the playoff record for most touchdowns in a game. He was constantly being covered by safeties, and he would find a way to split up the field, get on a safety, and he's a total mismatch. Yet every time you shuffle them out to the out wide, good cornerbacks who are more physical and more savvy and have the boundary, they have the sideline at their disposal they can do a lot of things that take his rare physical traits and make them worth less than they would be somewhere else along the offensive formation. So I've been pounding the table for years that we need to get, needed to get a real X or somebody else out there and let Gabe work where he does the most damage. His numbers this season is a touchdown score. I will admit could have been higher if he and Allen could have connected on a few more of those like choice routes. You look at the option route that they ran against Philly in overtime. If Allen hits that pass, we win that game. And then Gabe Davis has another touchdown to his credit. There was at least two or three other situations like that over the course of the season. But he also doesn't have a single season of more than 840 receiving yards. And one stat that sticks out to me, and I understand that all stats require nuance. You know, I saw a thing from Warren Sharp uh, yesterday where he tweeted out, like, it was something along the lines, Chris, you might be able to find it in our timeline, maybe slap it in the YouTube video, but it's Warren Sharp talking about how the long, like average depth of a touchdown pass or long touchdown passes, and Tyrod Taylor, it was like 22-point-something yards. He led the NFL during his time here, and Josh Allen was like eighth. Patrick Mahomes was like seventh. It's like, this is why stats need context. But sometimes you need stats to provide context. Gabe Davis, for all of his catching prowess, everyone goes, oh, he can catch contested balls. He's big. He's physical. He can go up and fight for the football. He doesn't have a single season with more than 180 yards after the catch. Shakir, Chris, did not have a prolific year this year, right? Like, he came on down the stretch, but he didn't have an overwhelming season. No. No. He had 282 yards after the catch. Don Kincaid had 311. He just doesn't operate well in space. The way and whether you want to blame the quarterback, I know there's some people listening to these podcasts who will say, well, it's Josh Allen's fault because he doesn't throw with anticipation. I've seen it. I understand where you're talking about. He is to blame for some of our yards after the catch issue. But... It's tough looking at guys who are making half what Gabe Davis is set to make and going, can I make this up in the aggregate? (laughs) Can I make up what he gave me in the aggregate and get another body on the outside? Now, this doesn't make him bad or mediocre. He's a good NFL pro who excels in the red zone and in the right system. Like people have already talked about him going to Kansas City. It would be a great thing for him to go play with Patrick Mahomes because he would absolutely destroy our defense at least once a year. 100%. But what are you going to do? Those are the these this is the hand you're dealt. And you can hand-wring about it and talk about what's right and wrong. The reality is you can't break the bank the way some of the teams out there can and will for a player who's got his touchdown production and at the same time know that he's not Especially for a team like ours, right? Like we talked about moving Stephon Diggs into the slot last week with Joe Joe Miller. If that's your plan, you can't pay that guy that kind of money to be your boundary-wide receiver when he can't do it at a high enough level to take the pressure off Diggs to move him inside. You just can't. Now, maybe they find a way to get him under contract for less than top of market money, which would be like his price tag is interesting to me. It's going to tell me a lot about where the wide receiver market's going. And I also think it's advantageous that it's going to happen for Buffalo now. I think it's kind of a Brandon Bean is smart to slow play this and not rush to give to stay in touch with him. Give him your price. But maybe maybe don't even give him your price. Because, Chris, you remember how every free agent's talked about that. How Bean has always been very transparent with them. Yeah. About this is what we can spend. This is what we think. This is where we value you. We understand if you have to take another offer. I'd be interested to see where the market for wide receivers is heading. Because... More and more college wide receivers are coming into the NFL and finding success. The bust rate on them has dropped over the years. I saw a tweet from Brett Coleman about this, and he was asking the question: Did is, has scouting gotten better, or has the NFL game just gotten coordinated and officiated to a point where it's easier for collegiate wide receivers to step in and make a splash year one? Your Zay Flowers, your. Uh, Jordan Addison's your guys like that who are not early first-round draft picks, but who are still coming in and making a sizable impact. In that world, what is the price tag for a guy who doesn't have a thousand-yard season? What is the price tag for a guy who is a red zone monster and who can get away, have have a couple big games every year, but also might disappear on you? Now, maybe you're the team. It all comes down to personal preference, I guess. If you want to gamble that you are the team with the scheme that can make unlock that guy, and make him the man, God bless you. If you're not, though, it's a very big gamble to take, wouldn't you say, Chris? Yeah. Now, with that said, I'm going to be very interested to see, and I think Bean is smart to slow play this, to find out what the market looks like. What deal does T. Higgins get? He's going to get a lot. Now, maybe he gets franchise tag, which we're going to talk about in tonight's other show that we're about to record. Franchise tags and all that fun stuff as uh, the free agent market takes, takes shape. <clears throat> but realistically, you're talking about a player who's not qualified to be top of market. How much does inflation... Raise the price tag for a guy like that. What's the fit? Where does that go? Or are GMs now looking at the draft going, look at all these recent successes. We can kind of do what we do with running backs to a certain degree. But like if you're not elite, then you're just another guy, in which case we could almost look to the draft to get a similar player, unless we think we're going to win a Super Bowl, in which case you spend whatever you think you have to spend. It's going to be really interesting to watch his market unfold and watch, like, this is a good case study for where we are in terms of the NFL and how teams prioritize the wide receiver position, because he's not the man. Probably shouldn't get paid like the man. And you're entering a phase of the offseason where everyone's looking at the draft going, man, those wide receivers, there's a lot of them in this class. Does this almost end up working out in our favor? If you're on team retain, Gabe Davis. Now, if you're on team upgrade,
2: how much of how much of it is, what is the free agent market for the wide receiver class? Plus, what is the free agent class coming in via the draft?
1: Exactly. And that's it. It's just what can you bring in at a better price? Let's just see. It'll be interesting to see, especially knowing where our cap situation is. I mean, I look at players like Odell Beckham Jr. and Mike Evans. Both of them are going to get paid, at least on an average annual basis, more than Gabe Davis. I'm willing to bet money on that. From there, this wide receiver class isn't incredibly deep. So I'm just... It's... I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely... It's definitely something to consider. But at the same time, I I don't know that we've seen the last of him. And I also don't know that if we have, it's the worst thing in the world. You have a Dalton Kincaid. 50th in the NFL in targets, with room to grow. Was used in spurts, but kind of came on late. What I like is that his last four weeks, 11 first downs, one touchdown, and 69 yards a game. Over the last month of football. It's almost like he found his stride in this offense, and Allen realized, hey, I can trust that guy. He's going to make plays for me. James Cook. Cook was top 20 among running backs for targets. He was eighth in receiving yards. He was also eighth in drop rate. So hit the jugs machine, kid! Jesus! Tied for third in receiving touchdowns with running backs with four. It's pretty good, right? Pretty good and left plenty of meat on the bone, whether it was miscues, early misusage early on in the season. Benching him for a game after fumbling the football probably isn't smart, right? Yeah. (laughs) There's just a lot here that you look at it. And then you look at Khalil Shakir. What what does his potential development look like? This is a kid who outpaced Gabe Davis. Every single season he's had in yards after the catch. He's proven that you can line him up outside and he can find his way to production. He can also operate from the slot. He's got, he's got, what do they call that? Uh, Multiple functions. He's got functionality. I don't know. I don't know. There's a fancy word that draft pundits like to use when they're like, Oh, this guy, he's a, he's a, it's like in baseball when you call a guy a five tool player.
2: Cool. I can't wait to get a. DM from Terry White at Explain 4 a.m. <laughs> with the term that you're looking for. Ah, uh,
1: Terry. What I love about Terry is that he'll pick the most obscure part of a podcast and be like, "Well, actually," and just but but he's always right. It's incredibly interesting how much I learn from that guy via 4 a.m. DMs.
2: I'll be still rocking that. Read that fedora that Reed gave me, that I gave to him. I hope his wife is like furious.
1: (laughs) I'm sure she hates it. Although I'm not gonna lie, if he's survived this long, she probably just she probably doesn't much care what he does. (laughs) So, guys, you understand where I'm going with this. I mean, we will miss some things. Run blocking would be problematic. Like, that's that's an issue. Surefield already showed us, like, you can be a good run-blocking wide receiver and still be a problem if we have to rely on you. And then, like, I don't know. I just think that, I think, I just think the other intangible he gave you was that one, think about how many fail-the-deep passes to Deontay Hardy we watched this year. For some reason, whenever they tried to run a post or a deep route, it was always like, throw it to Harvey, the shortest guy in the wide when receiver
2: When did he get the ball? <clears throat> the only thing that that guy's known for is that punt return against Miami. No, they tried to get I, I the could, ball. I can't remember a so time. So he got picked off. And, I can't remember a time this year where, like, a specific play where they he was the specific target.
1: Uh, touchdown against the Giants. Just off the top of my head. Touchdown against the Giants. Um, there was another play where you know, he, got I don't, big, he got a third down conversion. I don't that remember big. that
2: touchdown against the Giants because you were telling me to get out of the fucking truck. <laughs> Listen,
1: that's what you get for backseat driving. <laughs> Guys, know this. If you backseat drive me in the middle of a primetime football game that is not going well that I'm abandoning the stadium for, I will throw you out of my vehicle or at least attempt to. You're lucky Doug was there. If Doug wasn't in the vehicle, I would have put my truck in the ditch. And then we both just just so you also had to walk home.
2: Well, no, I wouldn't have to. Based on location, I would have just cut through someone's yard and then I would have been at Reed's house and I would have just waited for him to get home from the game. Like, hey, can I crash on your couch? What happened? Drew's truck is in the ditch on the other
1: side of this lake on this pond here. Yeah. (sighs) Ah. realistically, guys, a dynamic you're going to hear a lot about is how we shop for wide receivers. I'm going to be interested to see how the market shapes out. But realistically, we're going to be looking for something different. We're going to talk about it in our next podcast. But I feel like, Chris, for tonight, we've talked about pretty much everything, haven't we? Where are we at? It's February. I know, but where are we at?
2: Fifty three minutes. Good.
1: Ish. I'm happy we have time left because I got to run this by you. I didn't want to end the show without it. The bill came. The bill finally came from the Buffalo Bills for our season tickets. Yeah. First of all, I want I want I want you to take a stab at trying to guess what it was. Like, wh- how much do you think the invoice was for?
2: If I had to like guess, and um, do we have eight or nine home games this year. That's a good question. You want to give I, that a goof I. Th- well, didn't we have the wasn't the Jacksonville England game ours as a home game? Cuz wasn't Jacksonville yep. already out there? Yep. So we hit ha- that was our ninth home game. So we're gonna, we're we're going to have uh eight home games this year because that extra game gets played on the road. I'm going to say that our 680 seat, More I went eight Eight games by Eighty five dollars Is it a hundred bucks
1: Those are rookie numbers We gotta bump those numbers up
2: How bad is this I don't know about bad It is what it is dog well, I mean yeah I know I get that we're good <laughs> How much is it per game
1: Let me do some quick math here
2: Cause we have eight home games I think our I think our extra game is Detroit this year.
1: <clears throat> it's ninety-three dollars and seventy-five cents a game. It's not bad still. No. But guess how much our bill was for?
2: I would have no idea.
1: Three thousand and four dollars. Three thousand and four. Do you want to know why it's three thousand and four?
2: So I just did ninety three seventy five times eight seven fifty. There's also tax times four. There's also tax, which brought it to three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So three thousand and four. Why
1: is it three thousand and four, Chris?
2: I don't know. Did we? Uh, is it something for the new stadium? We had a, we had to pay for bail money for someone that fell in the pit.
1: Because they charge you a $1 per seat convenience fee. Well, because you're auto-renewing online, we charge you a $1 convenience fee. Can we stop this? I've had enough. Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. It's one of my favorite phrases of all time. You need to gouge me for an extra dollar. Just fucking do it and roll it into the same line item as my ticket cost. Don't tell me that it's a convenience fee because this isn't convenient. There's a, you, you chose to do this for you. Me re-enrolling instead of sending you a piece of paper with my signature on it that you then have to copy and file away somewhere and store and somebody has to touch it. Like all of that costs you money. I'm saving you money. You should owe me a dollar for convenience. I'm saving you a shitload of overhead by doing this online, and instead, you have the balls to tell me that it costs me a dollar for my own convenience. Just take the dollar. Tell me my tickets are ninety-four seventy-five instead of ninety-three. Don't put it out there. like. Am I the like? I know I'm splitting hairs, but I, this enrages me. And you know who's gonna hear about it? Zach Richards, our ticket agent. Every single year, I think he
2: cringes when. And he when see- by you say he's gonna hear about it, you just want me to clip this and we'll send it to him? We
1: might. Because every <laughs> single year I call him and give him a hard time about this. And it's gotten to the point where it's like you can hear the defeat in his voice. I call him every year. I go, Zach, I don't understand this extra four dollars. You gotta explain it to me. He goes, Well, we talked about it last year. I go, I want you to tell it to me again, like I. <laughs> Explain it to me like I'm five. <laughs> Whatever they're paying Zach, it's not enough. It's not enough to have to do with it. <laughs> We should clip this and just I'll email it to him. <laughs> so like, Zach, I need you to hear how much bullshit I think that your one dollar per $1 per seat convenience fee is. Am I am I being crazy here? I'm tired of this. Stop inventing fees for nothing. It's all a bunch of bullshit. What is funny, Chris pointed this out. No PSL talk. Last year, they started sending out emails last summer. They were ready. They like they made it sound via email like they were ready to roll out PSL pricing. And then it just all kind of went quiet. And then this season comes and there's no talk of people because like last year it was, hey, let us explain to you how this is all going to go. And we have this big interactive room where you're all going to be able to come in and pick out your seats and you're going to see a render, 3D rendering of the stadium. And you can interactive bullshit inside of a room full of like this sounds like a sketch from I think you should leave at this point because we've reached a place where I haven't heard a word about PSLs. But you know what that tells you, Chris? What are PSLs tied to? I
2: don't know. Per, well, the personal seat license. No, no. But
1: no. beyond that, philosophically, your PSL is a direct cash infusion to the team. Yeah. Usually, those go to cover construct like construction costs. So, like, listen, we know we're getting any stadium that's done it in the past. We know we're getting state money. We also need a chunk of money from the fans, so we're going to sell you the rights to buy your own seat. I get why people are against it. I'm not here to argue the philosophical difference between paying or not paying for a PSL. But what's interesting is this idea that they were all ready to go with PSLs, and then the actual construction started, and all of a sudden they got real quiet about it. Now, as we know, the deal that they signed with New York State says the bills are requ- are required to cover all cost overruns. In most deals, it's kind of left open, like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna collaborate together, we're gonna agree on an initial transfusion, blah blah blah. The New York State deal was, we give you X, and you are left to come up with Y that gets us to Z. And if the Y grows, New York State's not responsible for that. Should we deem it concerning? <laughs> They've been delaying the release of this, this cash infusion that typically just gets thrown right into the, whatever ledger is paying out construction costs. That they don't know what that number is enough, or they can't forecast what that number is going to be enough to know what to charge us.
2: Are you telling me that Ryan coming, Ryan is coming over soon? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm telling you.
1: <laughs> me and Lacy are going to sit here and do a deep dive on this here in the coming weeks. Oh. This because it's interesting. I I mean, I've done some research on what current what labor rates are looking like right now. I mean, I work in manufacturing, raw materials, like that's like commodity prices. These are things I'm tracking on a daily basis anyway. There's a lot of interesting stuff out there, and I think that it all plays a direct role because that was your thing first of the gate. How come no PSL stuff? I bet you there's a whole can of worms there. Just. (laughs) to get opened up
2: let me ask you this so with psls not being what we're what two we have two more seasons at at ralph wilson yeah rich stadium whatever you want to call it so we have two more seasons you haven't announced psls yet is it in my best interest to believe that psls are now going (laughs) they're up absolutely and more poor people are getting priced out I'll go upstairs right now and give you 2000 cash for a BSL (laughs) all
1: I know man is that there's something going on here and it's interesting I like it now you know all season long I've been deploring the bills on Twitter tweeting emailing poor Zach Richards (laughs) emailing poor Zach in the middle of the season you know, we lose to the Bengals. I tweeted it out, and then I also emailed him separately to just be like, if the Bills front office wasn't such a bunch of cowards, they would just announce the PSL prices today. <laughs> Today's the day. We're already mad at you people. Just give me the numbers. <laughs> I also said it after the Kansas City loss. I think I also said there, there was some other game where I like was like, this is the day. Let's do it after the Eagles loss. Just hit us with the PSL numbers. We're already angry. What do you think about that philosophically? Bad news on top of bad news? Would you rather get it that way? I don't give a fuck what the PSL is. No, no, no. In fact, maybe this is an after dark topic, guys. Maybe maybe we should tune in later. We have a conversation to have about this. Guys, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes, but watching the lack of PSL information is a little bit telling as far as where that price tag is going and the fact that they haven't been able to dial into it and start. Because, Chris, you'd love to, they would love to get their hands on that cash. Yeah. They would love to be able to tell you and I, here's how much you each owe me in order to keep your seat. So the fact that that's not even being discussed or broached with us tells you they don't know how much to ask for.
2: Let me ask you this, how many... People have, how many season ticket holders are there?
1: I think it was somewhere in the ballpark of about 55,000, maybe close, edging up towards
2: 60. So if you did 55,000 times a $2,000 PSL, 110 million? 110
1: mil. I think they're trying to figure (laughs) out how many more million do we get in over our heads on this? It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. But for tonight, we're going to get the hell out of here. Make sure you tune into our other podcasts because we've got a lot coming up. We've got uh, free agent tag talk. We've got a little bit of free agency conversation because I think that there's – everybody's rushing to name their favorites, right? Everybody, this is the guy I want, but here's what I think makes sense for the Bills. And the landscape is still shifting, and there's a lot of things to point at there. And I'm not willing to do any in-depth research until I see how that plays out. We're going to talk about that. We got an after dark coming up that I've got a really great topic for. I'm excited about this week, but for tonight we gotta get out of here, or at least this podcast. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger, and this is your Rock Pop Report.